Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Of course, of course. My wife, the last one to sit down. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later. <laughs> How are we all? Are we doing okay? Happy Fourth of July weekend. Happy Sunday. It's a beautiful day out there. Thank you for being in the house today. I always say, but empty chairs don't praise God quite like some of you do. And so it's always great when we gather together as the people of God. A huge welcome to you, all of you who are joining us online. I sure wish you could be in the room today because I tell you what, I do have a word and I'm believing that God's gonna do something special. I want to hands of some people today. So, hey, but here's the good news. The God that we serve, He's omnipresent and I believe He's right where you are in your living room or in your car or if you're traveling, whatever it is. I know there's some valid excuses, but um, believing God's gonna speak to you today as much as He's gonna speak to us in the room this morning. Are we expecting for the word? Did anybody come believing to hear from God this morning? Did anybody come believing that God had a word specifically for them that could shift and change your life today? Am I in the right place? Amen, amen. Well, as you would have gathered by now, I am not the bishop. I am not Pastor Pastor Philip. Uh, They're away at the moment again, and so uh, they are, I think, on their way back, so uh, they do miss you terribly. I'm pretty sure they are watching right now because he does not like missing any church, so hello to you, Bishop and Pastor Susan. See how just ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> we love you very much. I'm honored that you give me the opportunity to preach this morning. So we're going to get straight into it. All right. Do you have your Bibles? Do you have your notes? I hope you're taking notes. I have a lot to say this morning, so I hope you've, uh, you've had a big breakfast because we're not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I don't even have the privilege to say that. I don't have an opportunity. Anyway, we'll get into it. Let's get straight into the Word. I have a word this morning that is like a fire shut up in my bones, and I cannot wait to get it out of me. I texted Jeremy earlier this week. I said, I hope you're coming to church because I'm ready to preach. And so I hope you're ready. I am a passionate communicator, and um, I'll do my best to slow down so you can hear me through the accent. But let's get into it together. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. It reads like this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue, continue to follow Him. Another version say, live in Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I wanna read that again. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Because that's what it is, it's garbage, it's nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in bodily form. And so you are also complete then, church, 
through your union with Christ, who was the head over every ruler and every authority. If you love the word, can you say amen? I wanna, I wanna communicate very briefly this morning. I wanna leave room for God to do some things. We're gonna, we're gonna get to some business this morning, but I wanna preach very briefly on a message titled, Apprehended by Faith. I have been apprehended by faith. One of the things I wanna do right from the outset is I wanna lay a framework, a, a common groundwork for us to work from for the entirety of this message of what does the Bible mean when it refers to faith? And so I did a bit of study. There's this great resource called the Strong's Concordance. And uh, what? Oh, I forgot to let them go. Was that my responsibility? Are you just here because you want to be? Oh, I thought they were just here because they wanted to. And I thought, I sound more spiritual than I normally do. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You can go. Poor Dale. I mean, he's standing there like just, I'm ready to go. This bass is heavy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You can go. Thank you. <laughs> Why didn't anybody say anything? I'm like, man, I sound mad spiritual this morning. Woo, we're gonna have ourselves a day. Now it's just these guys. Come on, can we thank our worship team? Lukey. <laughs> Off to a strong start. Where was I? Okay, okay, so let's, 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 let's lay a common groundwork. Let's lay some common understanding. What does the Bible mean when it refers to faith? So I looked it up and, and the, the Greek word for faith in the New Testament is this word called pistis. But I think it's gonna go up there. And it means this, to be fully persuaded. Don't you just love that? I have been fully persuaded. In fact, other scholars take it a little bit further because some other scholars have recognized and, and I hold to the same belief that faith isn't something that we conjure up from within. They understood that faith is a gift that comes from God. And so other scholars would have changed this definition slightly to going, faith isn't to be fully persuaded, faith is to be divinely persuaded. Oh my Lord, I've not been persuaded by man, I've not been persuaded by cultural movements, I've not been persuaded by lofty arguments that sound like nonsense, I have been divinely persuaded. And that's what the Bible means when it reverts to faith. It's a sense of going, I'm not gonna move to the left or to the right, I'm not gonna be shaken by every wind of doctrine, I'm not gonna be shaken by every storm because I have been fully and divinely persuaded. It speaks of conviction, it speaks of steadfastness, it speaks of a resolve that I am fully grounded because I have been divinely persuaded. Oh, my Lord. And that's what we wanna talk about today. I've come to preach a message on faith and I'm hoping you're with me this morning. And if you're asleep, well, you're gonna wake up real quick because God is in this place. And so I wanna, I wanna um, kind of take us through Colossians this morning and I wanna employ some of what Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And I wanna urge us, I wanna plead us, and I wanna persuade us like he was trying to do them, to remain steadfast, to remain apprehended by faith. And, 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 and I use that word apprehended very intentionally. I do this devotional every single morning by Oswald Chambers, beautiful devotional called My Outmost for His Highest. Anybody heard of it before? Yes? Everyone who's done it is like, oh yeah. I mean, it's just, it's that good. But a couple days ago, uh, one of the titles, the, the title for the, the devotional that day was Apprehended by God. And it was a great devotional, but I just could not escape that word, apprehended. 
And because it just has such great imagery, right? I mean, when you think about that word apprehended, it means to be arrested. It means to be bound. It means to be held captive. In fact, the, the, the most extreme version of it is this, I have been taken into custody. Now, apply that imagery to this sentence. I have been arrested by faith. I am bound by faith. I am held captive by faith. I have been taken into custody by faith. When we live like that, if we can be the kind of people who say this, I will not be moved and I will not be shaken because I have been taken into custody by divine persuasion. Oh my Lord, if we can live like that, we'll be the kinds of people when a doctor looks at you in the face and says, there's nothing more that we can do, you can look back and say, I choose to still believe because I am apprehensive by faith. You're the kind of people who are in the middle of adversity. When everything in your life seems to be falling apart, you will choose to declare, I will still yet praise him because I am apprehended by faith. You become the kind of people who declare, though my enemies surround me, I know I can fear no evil because I am apprehended by faith. I will not back down. I will not bow down. I will not capitulate to cultural pressure. Why? Because I am grounded. I have been arrested. I am bound and I am captivated by a divine persuasion. Oh, is there anybody in the room today who has been apprehended by faith? I don't live like that anymore. I don't talk like that anymore. I don't believe like that anymore. I don't think like that anymore because I have been divinely persuaded. Oh my Lord, I gotta slow down. I gotta slow down. We have a lot, we have a lot of places to go. We have a lot of places to go. But this is why I wanted to preach from Colossians this morning because if you know anything about this epistle to the Colossians, this was Paul's primary reason for writing. This was Paul's primary objective, to reassure, to remind, and to encourage the believers in Colossae to remain apprehended in the faith that they were first taught. The reason he's writing this, if I want to give you a bit of context, and a bit of history into Colossae is this, is that Paul is in prison at the time. This is one of four of his uh, letters that he wrote from prison. In fact, they call this the, the prison epistles, one of four. And so Paul is in prison and he's received correspondence from a co-laborer in Christ named Epaphras. Epaphras is the man who started the church in Colossae. And so Epaphras sends correspondence to Paul and says, hey, wanted to give you an update. The church here is healthy. The church is vibrant. People love the Lord. In fact, good news to you, Paul, is that the Gentiles who were previously excluded and thought to be excluded from the message of the gospel have now been included and they're receiving the message of grace, the message of Jesus with great faith and great joy. It's all gone well, kind of like what's happening here at The Rock. But then he says this, he says, but my primary reason for writing is I wanna bring to attention some things that are happening in this community and in our city that I need your wisdom on and that I'd love for you to speak on. And what he then begins to tell Paul is that the church in Colossae is coming under immense social and cultural pressure to turn away, not from Jesus, but to turn away from the teachings of Jesus. To turn away from the teachings of Jesus that, they had, that they've learned from the apostles and they were first taught in the beginning. And he says that the, the, the pressure is coming from two places largely. One, externally, it's coming from the Gnostics, which is where derived from the word gnosis with a G, that really where we get the English word knowledge from, knowledge. So if you've ever met anyone who says, I'm agnostic, they're not saying they don't believe, they're just saying, I don't know. And so Gnosticism, now if you know anything about Gnosticism, 
Gnosticism was the one of the most prevalent uh, heresies that was plaguing the early church in the second century. And so if you look at the end of Galatians and you look at some of John's writing at the end of his life, uh, book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, what they are addressing when they talk about anyone who would teach you anything contrary to what you've heard from us, anyone who would teach you anything contrary to what you've heard through Christ, expel them from your community. They were addressing Gnosticism and Gnosticism in the church. And what is Gnosticism? It's this belief and they emphasize this, this belief that all spiritual knowledge resided within the person. They, they emphasize personal spiritual knowledge, personal spiritual enlightenment above orthodox teaching that has come through the church and the apostles. And, and I mean, does that not sound like the society we live in right now? My truth, my interpretation, my own spiritual enlightenment, me and the universe gallivanting through the fields together. And it was all built on this belief, watch this, this is where it gets real dangerous. It's all built on this belief that human beings are God within themselves. Again, is this not what our culture is trying to peddle? That we are God amongst ourselves, that we can do whatever we want, with whoever we want, however we want, whenever we want, as long as it feels good to me, and as long as it remains my truth, and as long as my personal spiritual being is comfortable with it, then it should be okay. And if you're not okay with it, then I'm gonna fight you. Because this is what was happening in the church in Colossae. The believers were coming under this immense cultural pressure from the Gnostics who were going, your beliefs are offensive to us. Because you don't believe what we believe. Let me be God. Let me decide my own fate. Let me decide my own future. Let me be the captain of my own ship because I within myself have the spiritual enlightenment. And it was so dangerous because what they were teaching, they were infiltrating the church and were trying to teach believers that Jesus, hey, and some were, some were smart. Hey, there's nothing wrong with you, Jesus, but I think you're taking it a bit too far. Because you, you, you've missed the point. Jesus is great. Like, he's awesome. No hate on Jesus. Believe it if you want to believe it. But you've got to realize that Jesus is no different than any other God. He's like the God of music. He's like the God of sex. He's like the God of money. He's like every other God we worship here. And the prize is not the pursuit of Jesus. The prize is the pursuit of knowledge. Gnosis. The pursuit of your own spiritual knowledge with your own spiritual journey when no one can tell you otherwise because that's just outright offensive. In fact, others will go to the, to the nth degree and go, Jesus isn't even a God. Jesus is just a human being like you and me who received gnosis through enlightenment, who received knowledge through enlightenment. And that's what he's teaching his disciples. So don't be deceived by these apostles who've been around and the teachings of Christ that have been around from the beginning. That's, that's, that's too far. You ought to believe what we're telling you, that Jesus was teaching his disciples that the ultimate goal is not the pursuit of Jesus, the pursuit of knowledge. And, it, and I was reading this and it reminded me of something I heard from a pastor a couple months ago. I was watching this uh, message of his at this conference and he says this, one of the most destructive practices of our culture, one of the most destructive practices of our generation is that we value 
our own thoughts way too much. We will spend our lives looking inward. Some call it navel gazing. <laughs> the shoe fits. We will spend our lives looking inward and then we'll spend the rest of our lives on all of our platforms in every space telling everyone, this is what I think and this is what I've been feeling instead of taking the scriptures and putting them as the centerpiece of our lives and using the scriptures that have stood the test of time, that are, that are without fault, that are without error, that, have, that are, don't return void, instead of looking at the scriptures and using the scriptures as the lens by which we engage and understand all issues of life. And this is not just a good thought, this is scriptural. It makes sense now why in Isaiah 55 verse eight, God says this, my ways are not your ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts, declares the Lord. In fact, he goes as far as this, as far as the heavens are from the earth, so too are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. So tell me church, why are we obsessed with our own opinion, when God's ways and God's thoughts and God's will is so much more powerful and so much more enlightened than anything you and I can conjure up. I refuse, I refuse to be of those believers who trust my own thoughts above the word of God. And you don't have to flick through the pages of the Bible too long before you get to Genesis and see how destructive this way of thinking can be. Genesis, sin entered the world and brought spiritual death. Why? Because of man's pursuit of gnosis, knowledge. They ate of the tree of, no, of the knowledge of uh, good and evil. Man's pursuit of knowledge, which they thought would bring spiritual enlightenment, actually brought sin and death into the world. That is how dangerous this new cultural movement can be to our society. That it can bring spiritual death if we pursue knowledge, spiritual enlightenment over revelation. When we pursue knowledge and our own spiritual enlightenment over relationship with the God who made heaven and earth. They bypassed the God who walked with them in the garden to pursue knowledge, why? because they wanted to be like God. Was that not the lie? Was that not the lie that the enemy and the serpent came to them and said, no, he doesn't want you to eat of that tree because if you eat of that tree of knowledge, you will become like God. And that lure has only one end. It is spiritual death. And this is why the author of Ecclesiastic is so true. There is nothing new under the sun. It, it trapped humanity in the garden. It is trapping the believers here in Colossae and it is trapping believers in the 21st century. This pursuit of self above God. The other cultural pressure, which I won't spend too much time on, is, is that they were being pressured internally in the church by Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders could not wrap their heads around that the gospel of Jesus Christ had fulfilled everything because they'd spent their whole lives doing rituals and customs and traditions and all the Jewish you know, customs that they would do to, to, to achieve holiness. And they were telling the Gentiles, the new believers, 
that hey, your salvation isn't complete if you don't get circumcised. Your salvation is incomplete unless you do X, Y, and Z. Your salvation is incomplete unless you adopt our way of living. Your salvation is incomplete unless you take on the Jewish customs and traditions and you live and fulfill the commands of the Torah. But what they didn't realize is they were missing the very central message of the gospel, that God in Christ has fulfilled that which the law was powerless to do. That God in Christ conquered sin and death. That God in Christ has reconciled all people back to him. Not because of your works, not because of your traditions, not because of your customs, not because of your efforts, but because of Christ. And so Paul then hears of all this and he begins to write. I can imagine him in prison. He's hearing this news from Epaphras and he's like, I've got to address this because it's such dangerous thinking. So Paul begins to pen his response, which is what we now know as the epistle to the Colossians. And he does so right out of the gate by writing what some scholars would argue is the most, uh, the most comprehensive, the most extensive, the most powerful uh, piece of literature that demonstrates the cosmic nature, the all-powerful, all-knowing, majestic, and glorious nature of the God that we serve. And so this is where we pick it up together in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through to 20. Let's read it together. This is Paul's response. He goes, I see you, but I'm going to raise you one. He says this, we look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. In fact, I would say this, he is the visible image. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It has never made sense to me when people embark on these spiritual journeys to find truth and to find light. When God himself, he wants to be known. God has made himself known to us through his son Jesus. You don't have to look too far to know what God is like. You don't have to look too far to know God's character. You don't have to look too far to be in relationship and proximity to the living God who is all powerful, who is all knowing, who holds all knowledge and who is supreme over everything because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. We look at this son and we see, amen. Is that a baby? No, person? We look at, yes. We look at this son and we see God's original purpose in everything created. It is in Christ. It is in Christ, friends. It's not in anything else. It's not in the cultural movement. It's not in your job. It's not in your spouse. It's not in your education. It's not in your financial situation. It is in Christ that we find our purpose because God has embedded everything, every bit of God's original purpose and everything created was found in Christ. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up until this moment. Do not tell me that he's just another God. 
Do not tell me that he's just a mere human being. Do not tell me that we as human beings have more spirituality, have more power, have more knowledge, have more wisdom, have more grace than our Lord Jesus Christ. Him who existed before anything came into existence, he was there. God created every living thing in Christ and through Christ and for Christ. So don't you tell me otherwise. Oh man, this is so good. And when it comes to the church, you and me, he is the one who organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. It is so sad to me when we look elsewhere and we believe other things are what are holding us together. But can I, in fact, I, years ago, years ago, Louis Giglio did this study of the atoms and the, one, of the, one of the proteins that hold all the human cells together in the body. And it was pretty cool, not proper exegesis, but it looked like the shape of a cross. And it tells a story, again, it was like a reminder to us that every atom, every part of our being, the very breath you have, the very sustenance that holds you together is by Christ. It is his breath that is sustaining you. It is his goodness that is keeping you. You woke up together because God smiled on you this morning. You have breath in your lungs this morning because God breathed into you. You can walk and live and gain income and love and experience all the good things that life has to offer, not because of your own doing, but because Christ is holding us together. May we never forget that our very existence is so brittle. We are but dust and we are held together by his goodness and his grace and his power. It is his breath that gave us life and it's his breath that sustains us. It is foolish to look elsewhere, to look to anything else but the one who holds you. He is the one who holds us together. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning, oh, I wasn't gonna do this, but I got to do it. I wanna preach this, but I don't have the time. Oh God, oh, I'm gonna do it. Let me tell you something, let me tell you something, church. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. Do you know what that means for us? That God, he knows the beginning from the end. That nothing catches him off God. That everything comes into submission to his power, to his authority, to his name. The Bible says this, every knee shall bow. Whether you like it or not, every knee shall bow and declare that he is Lord. When the Bible tells us that he is supreme in the beginning and supreme in the end, he lives outside of time so nothing catches him off God. Everything, everything, oh, I wanna do this, I wanna preach this, everything. I don't know what it is that keeps you awake at night, but he's supreme over it. That diagnosis, he's supreme over it. Your financial situation, you feel like you're drowning in debt, he's supreme over it. Uh, that, that your marriage, it feels like it's falling apart, 
He's supreme over it. There is nothing on earth, created or or visible and invisible, that our God does not reign supreme over. So if I am in trouble, I don't look anywhere else, but the Bible says this, I turn my eyes to the hills where my help comes from because I understand that my help comes from Lord. And why do I turn to the Lord for my help? Because my God is supreme in the beginning and supreme in the end. He reigns about all things. Everything comes into submission under the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's why we sing the song, all hail King Jesus, because everything we fight, everything we face, everything that seeks to exalt its name above your life and in your family has to come under the name of Jesus. And this is why I am anchored, I am steadfast, I am resolute about being apprehended by divine persuasion because the person I build my life on, the person I built my faith on, the person I'm a prisoner of hope to, he is victorious, he is greater, and he is above all and in all and through all. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody needed to hear that. You're in the right camp, my friend. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everyone and everything. So spacious is he, so roomy is that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. There's room in his house. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, Animals and atoms are properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. Paul writes this, thank you. I appreciate you. This is how Paul opens up. Why? Because he is telling every single believer who would hear the words of his letter, you are right in putting your faith in Jesus. You are right in building your life on him. You were right when you were divinely persuaded in Christ because this, everything exists in Christ and through Christ and for Christ. In fact, one of the commentaries read is this, nothing in human existence remains untouched by the finished work of the cross. I'm gonna say it again. There is nothing in human existence that remains untouched by the finished work of the cross. So my friends, I'm here to remind you, like Paul reminded the Colossians, that you are in the right camp, that you have heard right, that you have believed right, and you ought to remain where you are. Do not be swayed. Do not be pulled to the left or to the right. Do not be deceived by empty philosophies that are garbage and trash and nonsense that come from human thinking, your faith is in the right place because where your faith is, it is steadfast. Where your faith is, it has stood the test of time. Where your faith is, you have built your life on the rock who conquered everything and sin and death and has made you and me conquerors in Christ Jesus. So church, 
miss me with all those movements that are coming through the, the, the winds of change right now. I, I don't wanna hear from the TikToker who came onto the scene yesterday. I, wanna, I don't wanna hear from the theologian who was born last week and has all of a sudden found this new way of interpreting the Bible that allows for anything to happen and for anything to go. Miss me with a cultural movement that tells you that Jesus is anything but the God, the Son of God, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. If I hear any movement, if I hear any teaching, if I hear any, any doctrine or any other nonsense that puts Christ anywhere outside of the centerpiece of my life, I don't wanna hear it. Because I have been divinely persuaded, because I have been divinely persuaded that He is the author of life. And He is the rock upon which I build my life. The rock when the winds come and the rains come that I can remain unshaken. Oh, my Lord. Woo. Preaching myself giddy. You ever had that? Whoa. And I felt it important to preach this this morning. Yeah, we do have some cultural things going on that we all understand as nonsense. Call it what it is. It's garbage. It's not even worth being called garbage. It's garbage. Something so bad, you can't even call it a real word. It's not trash, it's T-Rash. <laughs> we have that. But I tell you what, I have never been more thankful to be a part of a church like The Rock, where we hear teaching from Pastor Philip, the bishop, that is grounded in truth. We will not be swayed by these empty philosophies that come and go. There's nothing new under the sun. I'm thankful that my life is built on the word and that from this platform every week we hear nothing but the word. And so, yeah, 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 we have all this cultural pressure, but nah. But you young people, listen to me. You who live on TikTok, most of the people here don't know what TikTok is, but I'm talking to you. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Who's never heard of TikTok? Oh, I was wrong. I repent, Lord. I guess I'm talking to all of you. Be careful. There are some people on TikTok who I've got a PhD and I've got a this and that, that, who are spitting absolute nonsense. And I'm guaranteeing you if Paul was alive today, he'd be writing those very words to those very people. Because let me tell you again, let me remind you again, you hear anything, any teaching, any philosophy that doesn't put Christ at the center, run. Turn it off, block it, report it. Report it as fraud because that's what it is. It's fraud. But I'm all serious, not the bank come up and join me. Guys at the back, forget about everything else. I'm not gonna go there, I wanna go somewhere else. I really felt so strongly. End of last night, in fact, I was middle of preaching this last night and I felt like God go, this message needs to go in a different direction. But at that point, I'm like, ah, I can't pivot that quick, I'm not that good. So I spent most of last night getting on my knees again and, and hearing from God and going, okay, what, what is it that you want to do with this message? And this is where we're gonna go now. So yeah, you guys can take a break. There is cultural pressure again, but I wanna address the pressure that comes from within. There are some people here that the cultural pressure from the outside doesn't bother you as much and doesn't hurt your faith as much as the pressure that comes from within. Not from external voices, but your internal voice. 
the voice in your head and your soul and your heart that's grown weary, that's been riddled with disappointment and doubt has crept in. And there's a voice in your head that says that thing you've been holding on for, that thing you've been believing for, it's not gonna happen. You've been praying for some of you for years. And if you're honest within yourself, you've let that part of yourself die. And you've just gone, maybe that isn't just for me. You're not turning away from Jesus, but in your heart there's been a slight shift. And there's just some parts of this Bible where you open it up and you would read and there's some passages you come to and they just make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because you no longer believe it to be true because you've just not seen it yet. And it's just become too hard to keep holding on to that. It's just become too hard to keep praying for that. It's just become too hard to keep holding on to faith for that thing. And so you just quietly turn the page. It's not a complete departure from Jesus, but if you're honest, you are no longer apprehended by faith. If you're honest, there are some parts of your life that have given way to doubt and given way to disappointment and given way to just going, I just, I don't have the energy anymore to have faith for that. And I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay, I, I still love God, I, I'll still sing the songs, I'll still come, I can pray for other people, but I just can't do it anymore, I'm tired. You know, we had a moment earlier where we had our prayer team come up here, and you knew, I have some things I need prayer for, I have some things I'm believing God for, I have some things I really desperately need God to come through for me for, but I just don't have the faith. And I wanna encourage you tonight, this morning. It feels dark in here, sorry. I wanna encourage you this morning. Remain apprehended by faith. Your faith has not been misplaced. The God that we serve, as long as you have breath in your lungs, He is not done with you yet. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. While I sleep, he's working. And he is still writing your story. And I wanna implore us, can we be like the widow, the persistent widow today? Can you muster up again the energy to get up again and to remind yourself like the early scholars realized, Faith isn't on you to muster up from within. Faith comes from God. That's why it's called divine persuasion. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So can I encourage you, don't skip over those scriptures and verses that just seem too hard to read because they confront the places that you've given up on. But lean into them because the word of God is alive. The Word of God is active. The Word of God as you digest it, it is the Word as you digest it that stirs within you the faith that you lack the energy to muster up. I've asked the team to sing the song. Where's Noel? 
Where you at, sis? Come on. Come on. I've only got like a couple minutes. Come on. Don't be afraid. Sing that song, Something Has to Break. But you sing that song, I believe you'll see me through it. Some of want to, I don't know the words that well. But I've asked them to sing the song and what I want to do. In fact, I want to close, close your eyes real quick, just, just for the sense of minimized distraction. There were some few things I wanted to pray for specifically. There are some people here today. You've been praying for a long time for your children to come to the Lord. Some of you for a very, very long time that you've begun to lose hope and faith. If that's you, would you lift your hands? Yeah, keep them raised. Keep them raised. There's another group of people who, there's a health thing that you're going through. You have a diagnosis, there's, a, there's an ailment you have in your body that you've now just decided, I'm gonna live with it. I don't have the faith anymore. I, when, I, when it first happened, I would go up to every altar call. I'd go up every time and get prayer, but just, it didn't shift. And so now you've just resolved, ah, I'm gonna live with it. Who, who am I talking to? Lift, you also lift your hand. Yeah, I knew it. There's, some, there's a couple of people here, your business. There's some things that, 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 that are plaguing you at night that keep you awake when it comes to your business. And, 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 and there's, there's, there's some things you desperately need God to come through on, else you're gonna have to close your doors. And you just lack, you, you don't see a way through it. You don't see a way that God can get you to it. You, you just don't see a way. If that's you, would you lift your hand as well? Yeah, okay, can we do something? The team's gonna lead us. Can I get you to stand and come right to the front? We're gonna, get, we're gonna come, yeah, come on, have the faith. Come on, this is gonna stir this up. If that's you, if you've raised your hand for any of those, come to the front, our team's gonna sing. I'm gonna ask our, our prayer team to come up again. I'm gonna ask some of our pastors, Pastor Kurt, Jonathan to come up. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna lay hands for you. Where you lack the faith, we're a community of believers and we're gonna stand together in faith. And we're gonna pray not just for the situation. Come all the way to the front. We've got a lot of room up here. We've got a lot of room. We're gonna pray not just for the situation, but we're gonna pray that God would stir again the faith in you. We're gonna believe that God is gonna divinely persuade you again that this is not the time to shrink back, that this is not the time to give in, this is not the time to give up because as long as you are alive, as long as you are still breathing, as long as you have still breath in your lungs, God is still working in your behalf. God is still gonna move in a miraculous way. God is not done with yet with you, my friend. So come on, make room. Yeah, come on, I'll stop some of our staff. Come pray, let's lay hands. Let's believe for God to stir faith in people. Let's believe for the miraculous again. I still believe God is in the business of healing people. I still believe God is in the business of saving people. I still believe God is in the business of working miraculously in the lives of people. So come on, let's sing, let's worship, and let's pray together. Stretch out your hands in Jesus' name.